My name is Mo. I am one of the pastors here. I'm privileged to have the opportunity to, to teach today and honored that Darren would ask me to do so. We are going to embark on a journey over these next four weeks for the month of March over this idea of creating breathing room in our lives. Something that I believe we don't have enough of. And uh, honestly, if you would ask the staff, um, what, are, what are the things, that, the recurring themes that we hear from folks throughout the week is just that. People are rushed, busy, distracted, and looking for some space. So we're going to dive into that today. And uh, it might hurt a little, might sting a little. It, it did for me over this past week and a half studying for it. And I'm excited to share a little bit about that. And then next week, our amazing worship team, our, our worship pastors, are going to um, lead us in kind of a roundtable discussion um, with uh, Jeremy, Jason, and Kim, um, and talk about what it means to be, have focus and intention in, during our worship, and how we can truly rest during worship. And so that'll be next week. And then the following week, Darren will be leading us in a conversation about what that looks like in our relationships our friends and our family? How can we can be more intentional, create more space, more meaningful time with one another? And then the last week of March, I can't believe we're in March already, by the way. This is crazy. The last week of March, we will uh, have a special guest that will be joining Darren on stage to talk about um, being intentional and, um, and having a focus in our community missions and global missions. And that'll be Pastor John Breland that's going to join us from South Coast Church in Mobile, Alabama. And some of you may know John, Pastor John, him and his church have been uh, one of the biggest supporters of our efforts in Haiti and through the mission. They've sent numerous and countless volunteers over with us and thousands of dollars uh, in, in supporting efforts for what we're doing in Haiti. And so he, he's a fireball, Pastor John is. Um, he will have your attention, I promise, and uh, it's going to be a really, really good time. One of my sons in the room, fetch me water, please. In my little mini fridge in my office. Don't grab the sun drop, that's for later. Amen. Grab some water. Could you turn to Psalms 46? Psalm 46.10. I won't keep you long today. Amen. Um, I want you, my gift to you is to be uh, one of the first in the Henpeck Buffet down the road, um, save me a spot. Thank you, son. Bless you. Um, and so in the short time that we have today, I'm going to share a little bit about this idea of breathing room, and then at the end, we're actually going to have the worship team come back up and lead us in a song, and, and hopefully by that time over the next few minutes, we'll be in a place where we can really find rest through worship. Psalms 46.10, this is a verse for me that I come back to um, often. You know, we kind of all have those verses maybe that we cling to or that we, uh, it's kind of a compass for us that we turn back towards to help reset. And Psalm 46.10 is one of those. And it says this very simply, be still, comma. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let's pray. Lord, would you dive into our hearts this morning? Would you allow us to 
be still for a moment in this place and hear your voice. Lord, I ask for a spirit of humility to just sweep through this room and prepare our hearts for your word. Lord, we thank you for this place in your name. Amen. All right, so this, this first image I want to talk about. I believe we live our life like this. And I'll speak for myself. You know, in studying for this and coming across this image, my life looks like this. And I would guess that maybe yours does too. Energy pulled in all directions. We've got school, we've got work, we've got the kids, we've got dinner, we've got games, we've got dinner maybe after the game. But anybody go grocery shopping? Who's going to cook it? I'm too tired. And then we've got work the next morning, and maybe you're local, maybe your job requires you to fly across the country. And then, you know, your wife's anniversary, birthdays, the bills are going to come every month. Every month. And it's an inch deep and a mile wide in terms of our energy. We're just scattered. But what, what could we accomplish if our lives look like this? Focused, intentional, heading in one direction towards a common goal? What could that look like in our lives? Maybe the image on the right involves us learning to say no to things. And why is it so hard for us to say no to things? We're going to talk about that. But what if we had breathing room? What if we had enough margin and space in our life to be able to say no and be okay with it? And enough margin and space to hear from the Lord instead of all the white noise that is constantly hitting us every day, every moment. So when we're talking about breathing room, I want to define it as this. Breathing room. The space between our current pace and our limits. So it's the space between our current pace and our limits. I guess an example would be the stage. For me right now, as I'm pacing about the stage, talking, and the end of the stage is right, is right here, I've created space between me and the edge of the stage so that I can think with freedom and not fear having to fall off the stage. And if I did, I know that Don would catch me. Right, okay. Thank you, Don. But I've created this space now, and there's breathing room between me and the edge. But when we're on the edge, when we live life on the edge of our limits and our capacity, we're distracted. It's really hard to focus because right now, with these candles right here and these lights right here, I'm starting to think less about what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm focused more on the distraction at hand. I'm at my limit. So when we're at our limits, a few things start to happen. We start to uh, redline in our life. We're at full throttle, and we start losing control of life. We start or stop enjoying life. We trade progress and prosperity for peace. We exchange it because there's not enough space. So I, I think this image describes 
kind of how we live as well. And maybe it's just me because I've got a lead foot. I've got size 13 shoes, and they're just heavier on the gas. I, I promise. I try. But we live this life that's just throttled on empty. You know, it's funny. Um, as I'm preparing for this, this past week, <laughs> the Lord has a sense of humor, or I'm just an idiot. It's probably both. But I'm late for a meeting this week. I'm late for a meeting. And, you know, this whole thing's running through my mind. Like, you need more margin and space. You should have left earlier. What are you thinking? So I'm racing down Lewisburg Pike, heading to Grassland for a meeting. And, and I look over, and, you know, in my little the dash, it says amount of miles until empty on your gas gauge. You know, it's got the, you got the E and the F just like this, but it also has how many miles until you're empty. And mine said four. I'm nowhere near a gas station. So, you know, you start kind of coasting, you know, down a hill. Maybe that'll give me just a few extra yards, kind of rolling into the curves. Maybe get some momentum so I don't have to push the gas. I literally coasted into the Mapco and Grassland on zero. It goes one, zero. I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you. But what a perfect illustration of how many of us lead our lives full throttle and on empty. And when we do that, our stress levels go up, right? We get stressful. Chest gets tight. Blood pressure goes up. Our focus narrows, like I said, on the edge. When, when, when we're living on the edge and we're full throttle and on empty, the focus actually narrows to what's right here, and we lose, comp- we lose awareness of everything around us. We lose awareness. Relationships suffer. We become irritable, short-tempered towards those people that may be the closest to us. We start to isolate because we're in survival mode, right? We're in survival mode. You know, another really quick story, when you talk about your focus narrows and you lose all awareness, this week we had a tornado come through Cool Springs, right? Crazy, scary. But this tornado whips through on Wednesday morning. And my wife, who is a barista at the Royal Oaks Starbucks, feel free to say hello to her when you visit her. She was running um, shift supervisor that morning, and this storm is literally blowing through. The, 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 the trees are, are bending over. It's hailing. The winds are, you know, what were they, 65, 75 miles an hour. Tornado siren is going off. Audibly can hear it. So Jennifer is having to uh, close down the Starbucks and get her, her employees into a safe place. As this is happening, kid you not, you know what I'm going to say. Someone pulls through the drive-thru, says, honks the horn, and starts to order a grande mocha. And became furious when my wife had to tell her, sorry, ma'am, the store is closed. We are at our safe place. There is a tornado. This lady was furious that she didn't get her grande mocha. She had lost all awareness. She is living full throttle, on empty, and needs her espresso now. And it's, it's, it's a funny story. It's hilarious. But man, it kind of breaks my heart. 
Because we're living kind of the same way in some ways. And at some point, we have to find a a sustainable pace in order to be effective. We can't be throttled all the time. We'll We'll crash through our limits every time. We'll lose awareness. Relationships will start to suffer. We can't live that way. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, written by Solomon, son of David, king, who had more wealth and possessions than anyone that's ever lived, wise beyond his years, reminds us, better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after the wind. A handful of peace and quiet, one handful, is better than two hands full of toil, of toil and striving after the wind. He, this verse disrupts this idea of more. Our culture, we are in completely disrupted all the time with this idea of more. More. We're competitive. We want more. He disrupts this. And he... He contends that less is more, and I tend to agree. Less is more. I want you to think of your favorite memory over the past year. Try to think through the library of your mind over these past 12 months. What's a a memorable memory that you can recall from this past year? I mean, if you don't have one over the past year, maybe the past three years. Think of those few Memories that come to mind that were memorable and meaningful. I would venture to say that for most of us, it involves quality time with people we love. That would be my guess. When we think of quality time, it reminds me of this very simple story of Jesus and the sisters Martha and Mary. Luke 10, 38 through 42. If you have your Bibles, this will be the, our main text this morning. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now, one of my New Year's resolutions was to start reading my Bible from the actual book. Like, actually has pages that you turn and putting my phone down. Now, if that's the only way you can partake in the word is through your phone. I, I get it. I understand. But I want to challenge you, as I've challenged myself, to use the word in my study. Because you know how it is, right? You pull out your Bible app. It gives you a notification that the, the verse of the day has come through or your weekly devotional or whatever it is. And you, you use your mobile device to do your devotional. And inevitably... A notification comes through that your kid forgot his lunch and you need to run it to school. Or you start getting notifications that 20 people have liked your photo on Instagram. And now you want to go see who liked it. So you jump over to Instagram real quick and you thumb through. And the next thing you know, it's like 15 minutes later. It's like, oh, yeah, I got to do my verse of the day. And you start to do that and... You need another notification that, you know, 
Uncle Willie has decided to just go on a rant, a political rant, and you can't believe he's saying these things, and you want to chime in to help correct him, and now you're just you're consumed with that. Am, am I the only one? No. So I've tried to use the word. It enables me to hopefully call a timeout and just be focused with him. Verse 38 says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, the him being Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. We'll set the scene just a little bit. Anytime you read the scriptures, at least for me, I, I try to put myself there kind of get the context of what's happening. And Mary and Martha were sisters. And they had a brother. Anybody know who his brother was? Pop quiz. Lazarus. Very good. The three of them together. And the story of Mary and Martha or the characters of Mary and Martha actually pop up about three different times in the New Testament. So they were familiar with Jesus and his disciples. So there was a relationship there. It was a friendship. And they're walking through and and she invites him into the house, and she begins doing what she does best. The older sister, probably typical, she starts getting it done. All right, guys. This is, I'm going to pretend to be Martha in a very deep voice. All right, guys, Jesus is coming. His disciples are coming. All right, I need you to do the dishwasher, get it full, clean the dishes, start preparing the food. The laundry needs to be done. Can we, somebody please clean up the living room? This is a mess. And she just starts going through this to-do list of things that need to be done in order to be with Jesus. I can relate. That's probably what I would do, my personality. And maybe that's you. But her sister does the opposite. What does she do? She curls up at the feet of Jesus and just listens to what he has to say. And I love this because as you read it, you start to see that Mary starts getting irritated, kind of like we talked about. You start, when the stress levels start to rise, you start living towards the edge, you start getting irritated, and those people closest to you start to get on your nerves. You can kind of see it in her, in her tone. She starts asking Jesus in kind of in this whiny voice, like if she, had a, she was a teenager, just like this whiny voice. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Tell her to take out the trash. Tell her to take the biscuits out of the oven. They're burning. I can't do this all by myself. I need help. She's totally lost the plot. Meanwhile, Mary is just over here with Jesus at his feet, Ignoring her older sister, probably like she's always done. But she's at the feet of Jesus, just listening and being still. And I love that Jesus says to Martha, 
Martha, Martha. And anytime you hear or see or read those two names back to back like that, when he calls them out, it's a term of endearment. Like he's showing compassion. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But the one thing is needed. The one thing is needed. And that's for you just to be still and be with me. So perhaps you find yourself in this story. Perhaps you're Martha. Perhaps you're Mary. And if you are Martha, like I was when I was reading this story, you need to ask yourself this question. What are the things that distract you from Jesus? It's a fair question. I think it's a question we've got to be honest with ourselves about. What are the things that distract you from Jesus? In all the sense of the irony in the world, last service, I asked that question, and Joe Spino gets a phone call. Journey's Don't Stop Believing starts blaring. Thank you, Lord, for that illustration. What are the things that distract you from Jesus? Maybe it truly is your phone. Because if I asked you to raise your phone right now, if I said everybody in the building, raise your phone, turn it off. Just turn it off. You start feeling tension like, no, how am I going to read my Bible, Mo? How am I going to follow along? And and I got the kids in the back, and what if they need me? What if a teacher needs to get a hold of me? And I got this thing this afternoon, and someone's trying to get a hold of me as well, and you know, I took some pictures this morning. I'm putting them on Instagram, and I keep getting notifications. Like the tension that we would all feel if every single body in this room turned their phone off. Mm. I'm speaking to myself this morning. And in studying for this this week, I read this stat. I kind of want to park here for a second. There's a new study out that shows that on average, the average person picks up to check their phone 85 times a day. 85. 85 times of, check, put it down. That's one. Yeah, I, mean, I, thought, I thought I heard it go off. Yeah, no, nothing's changed. 85 times over the course of the day. It's gotten so bad for so many people that you start to get these phantom texts. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's in your pocket, and you swore that you just felt it go off. But it didn't go off. Like, it's an actual medical condition now. Phantom vibration syndrome. This is a thing. Because we've conditioned our bodies and our minds and our brain to this thing. It's incredible. Put it down. What are some things that distract you from Jesus? Maybe it's people. Maybe it's this desire to seek approval from others. Maybe you have people in your life that are pulling you all kinds of directions that don't need to be. Maybe it's your health. Maybe that's a distraction for you. Both sides of the coin. Maybe, maybe you have an infirmity or you're hurt. Shannon, got a busted knee. Maybe that's a distraction. I contend it's a gift. 
to slow down and enjoy this time and this moment as he gives you rest. But the opposite is true. We are so disciplined in our health and our physique, like we'll make time to hit the gym, get those reps in every morning, whatever it is. Not everybody, obviously. But some of you, hitting the gym has is, is got to happen for you. And you make time for it. Some of you are so dialed in on your diet, like you, you have discipline over that. Like I think of Pastor Darren. He's on this, what's this diet he's on? This keto diet. Like he's tried to explain it to me. I don't understand it. All I know is that we can't go to Tito's anymore together because he can't have carbs and queso, and it just bums me out. But he's taken discipline over it, right? Like he is held true to this diet over the past, I don't know, what, four months, five months now? Some of us are like that. Like we've, we've, we hold discipline over certain things of our lives, but we've left those things that mean quality time with Jesus get away from us. See, Martha was doing good. She was getting things ready. She was making preparations. These are good and healthy things. Like serving is a good and healthy thing. Many of you serve incredibly well at this church and serve these people. You serve the children. But what he's really saying here is that Jesus would prefer you to be with him than work for him. Like if he had to have one or the other, he just wants you to be with him. See, Mary had chosen to just be with him. She was at the feet of Jesus so she could hear his voice. That poor child. <laughs> See, I get it. Like, this is a real practical example. No, seriously. Like, you moms. Like, I, I get it. Amber, Lily, she's crying out for you. And how hard is it to get quality time with Jesus when you're dealing with that all the time? And maybe that quality time for you is at 2 in the morning when you're rocking that sweet child to sleep. That's enough because you're still, you're being with Jesus. And perhaps maybe the challenge and the encouragement would be to that, be to when you're in those moments of just stress, and it's whether it's 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon, that you have an awareness of your situation and you give it to the Lord. See, when the space between our current pace and our limits erode, we risk not hearing the Holy Spirit because we're full of noise. So I think of, I think of uh, when, when Mr. Jason Cruz, Pastor Jason Cruz, took us duck hunting, which, again, if you would know me well enough to know that me and Darren going duck hunting is hilarious. It's ridiculous. But, man, we have so much fun. But when you're walking into the flooded timber, imagine this is full of water, and you're kind of easing into the easing into the flooded timber, and the water's coming up, and it's it's rising up. I mean, you're you're kind of walking like this, looking for some breathing room, and you're distracted. It's like, oh, what is happening? I just need some breathing room. Oh, I think I need to go. Oh, that's better. Oh, this is much better. Oh, this is great. Get me out of here. No offense. 
But don't we walk around a lot through the day, through our weeks, just grasping for air? Whether it's financially, there's no margin. How am I going to pay these bills? Not enough time with my spouse. We haven't talked in a week. And we're just looking for breathing room. See, Mary chose her availability over her ability. She just wanted to be with him. She chose devotion over distraction. And that's my challenge to us this morning. So I ask you this. How do you spend time with Jesus? How do you spend time with Jesus? It's a fair question. One I had to ask myself in preparing for this. How do you spend time with Jesus? Where's the margin for that? What are some things I learned, need to learn to say no to that aren't as important as my time with the Lord? Because if there's not enough time for the Lord, it's hard for us to be able to hear what he has to say to us. If we're going to truly be spirit-led, we've got to hear the voice of the Lord. We have to. This is how this works. Eliminating the white noise and hearing the voice of the Lord. Maybe it's a walk in the woods without a phone. Maybe it's a prayer closet. Maybe it's long car rides. Maybe it's early mornings before the day gets going and this thing starts blowing up. Maybe it's painting or playing your instrument. Maybe it is really three in the morning, you're rocking your baby to sleep. But I think it's incumbent upon all of us to be able to answer the question, how do you spend time with Jesus? I want to invite the worship band up to play some music and close us out this, this morning. And I, I want this time to be um, simple. It's not a familiar song. It's a newer song. But I really don't want it to be about the song as much as just the moment. Perhaps this morning, perhaps right now, Taking a deep breath and exhaling is the first time you've done that in a week. You know, we're generally all together here about an hour and a half on a Sunday each week. About an hour and a half, sometimes two. Some of the volunteers, maybe two and a half over the course of a service on a Sunday. There's 168 total hours in a week. And if the hour and a half that you're here on a Sunday is the only time where you truly are able to catch a breath and be still, it's not enough. You're on E. So I want to encourage us as the music plays that we do just that, that we be still and listen. So you can go ahead and kill the house lights. I want, and I'm asking, for you to take a moment this week. 
starting today, now, to be present with him. See, I love this passage, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. It's a very familiar passage. It talks about how his burden is light. It's almost so familiar that it may have lost its meaning for some of us because it's just a familiar passage. You know? So I, I like to read it in the message, which is a paraphrase. just gives it a little different perspective and makes it fresh again. And Jesus says this in red letters. He's speaking. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And I love that he says, watch how I do it, because think about how many times in the New Testament that Jesus got away to pray. Like Jesus Christ himself, the Savior, got away to pray from serving the people, from healing the people, from leading the disciples. He he himself had to call a timeout, would go away to pray. He modeled that for us. How many times do we do that? He continues, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. It's a promise. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lightly. I think so many of us just carry baggage and these weights we drag with us. See, there's physical distractions and there's spiritual distractions. And I would say in a room this size, there's probably people that are carrying around these weights that are heavy and cumbersome and burdensome that are buried deep into your heart. See, we moved this past year. We moved over the summer. And moving is an an amazing opportunity to purge. I mean, we found things from like, you're in high school it's like why did I why do I keep this this is ridiculous you start throwing things out you start decluttering the garage and decluttering the closets just throwing stuff away and it felt so good but I think we're guilty of cluttering in our heart when was the last time you did a thorough purge and a decluttering of the closets of your heart been carrying things around for 20 years that don't need to be in there. Resentment, bitterness, betrayal, real deep hurt from someone. Psalms 91, verse 1, says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide or find rest under the shadow of the Almighty. What a promise. Would you find rest in him this morning? I want to stop talking. And I'm going to give you this moment just to be quiet.
probably don't know the song, but if you do, sing along. And if you don't know the song and you feel led to sing, the words are on the screen. If you have a pen and paper, have it handy. Maybe in this moment, maybe the white noise is just quiet enough for you to hear his voice. And I'll say one last thing, and I've been thinking about this, even debating on saying this, is that I think maybe some of us are just afraid to even get alone with the Lord to even hear his voice. There's some fear in that because we're afraid of what he might say to us, what he might say to us, what he might ask us to do. Don't be afraid. Find rest in him this morning. Just be still.